everybody, it's Drew. It's Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers podcast. So you know, you can find us on Facebook at Lockstock and Two Smoke Controllers Podcast. Anyone who's a fan of the show can come in and comment about the games or the music or the movies that we've talked about or the TV shows even. And we're also letting some of our fans uh, post some of their content. Like our friend Garrett, who's been on the podcast, he has been posting uh, that he streams yeah. and stuff like that. And then uh, Daniel has... Oh. I've been sharing his stuff. He he ain't got too too involved in the page, but I've been I, I was sure. Sometimes I'll share his links to his YouTube channel. Yeah. We also have a. He also has been hasn't been on the show yet. Yeah, yeah, but he he will be eventually. We also have uh, Reddit and a Twitch, where that's also the whole name of the podcast. Well, no, no, no that's the word two. Yeah, two smoking controllers. <laughs> yeah, we didn't communicate very well on what we were doing when we were creating these things. Well, we had a big corporate meeting about this. So that's the Reddit and the Twitch is the word to. And then for the Instagram, which I mostly run, just, you know, art and stuff like that, that's the letter, or the number two. <laughs> yeah, the letter two. <laughs> the number two. Uh, yeah, uh, you better find the letter two because if you put in the number two, you ain't gonna be able to find us. No. And that's mostly ran by me, and I just feel and feel free to contact us on any of the platforms, really. We also are on Spotify. You just search the whole name again, uh, but that is the actual podcast is on Spotify as well as Drew. Uh, what's we're looking for? The playlist. The playlist. Drew has the playlist of all the songs that we've played thus far. So, if you can't remember, you can look up that, and that'll help you hopefully help you find it, and you can become a fan of. Of those, yeah, it's probably that, that could be easier than trying to scroll through the episode, trying to find all the names of the bands in the show notes, and you just go to Spotify. We kind of got it covered there. And if Drew has uh, done his job properly, you know, if not, I'm just gonna go beat him some more. Uh, our friend Brandon Little has helped us out by giving us a nice bed of music that will be looped while we're going through this intro. And if you dig it, which we do, we think it's really good. You can actually find him. On Facebook and Instagram, preferably I think on Facebook, he likes to do most of his work through. But you can find him at Metal and More Soundscapes, yeah. and it's uh, any music-related services he can help you with. Yeah, he does editing, production, uh, co-writing, and uh, even lessons and stuff like that. You'll see on his page he has a bunch of posts about it. He's a good guy. He's a good dude. We've known him for a very long time. Yep. And to top it all off. Uh, today's game, we actually have a physical copy of it. We, we were liking to, you know, sign, send a little silly message, and send out to a potential person, <laughs> as provided you can answer the questions that we pose later on in the episode. 
questions, mind you, that we have not thought of yet. So pay attention to the episode and see if we <clears throat> make a noise. If we, if like, if like a light bulb goes off and like, oh, we need to write that down. Yeah. So like, pay attention. We have not pre-planned these questions yet. We're hoping to find two or three by the end of the by the end of the episode. And the two previous winners are exempt from winning. Well, any winner previously will be exempt from winning again. Because yeah, I know we know uh, Daniel listens immediately when these things launch. That's probably how he got Final Fantasy IV. Uh, and Garrett nabbed up uh, Battle Chasers, Battle Night Chasers War. Night War pretty quickly. So let's try to. We'll, we'll let somebody. Hopefully, somebody else will want to claim the claim the game we talked about today. It's been kind of quote unquote quote unquote huh, uh, burning a hole in Blake's metaphorical pocket because he'd be wanting to give this game away we try to spread out the because we only got so many physical copies of games left in our house but we try to split them up a little bit but Blake's really really been wanting to do this game more to get the give the game away than to really talk about this game per se it's just been, it's been uh, like in my notes it's like page four yeah I've played this like a year ago yeah and we just, you just now got around to it because you were tapping a couple other things. So it's well, just, for me, it's still like six months ago. I know. We're, so, anyway. We're lazy. Anyway, we'll move on from that. Uh, the last thing would be, um, if you forgot, if, if, depending on when the, when the episode comes out, we may be starting streaming, uh, excuse me, Sea of Thieves with a couple of friends. Our buddy Nick, we play uh, no, Man's. no Man's Sky with. We has, He has another friend who streams, obviously, way more than we do. Uh, but he wanted to stream No Man's Sky through the night, so we jumped in on that. But uh, he was talking about maybe doing something more actiony because No Man's Sky is not a lot of action. No. Uh, and he, he and he recommended since he's experienced him and his other friend for the other side. Uh, it's Cannonball Gaming. If you want to look him up and follow him, uh, they're going to start streaming No Man's Sky and drag me and Blake's dead bodies through that because they're both experienced in a. Sea of Thieves. I think I said No Man's Sky again. Yeah, it's Sea of Thieves. They're going to start streaming Sea of Thieves and uh, drag us along through it and see how see if we can have a good time and have some cool adventures. I think that's all we got for the intro. Yes. You ready to go back go into the game? I do believe I am. And since Blake's better at notes, he'll be leading this more than I do. I'll be uh, bouncing off of him as he triggers memories of me playing this game quite a few months ago. Today's game is Shining Resonance Refrain. Shiny Resonance Refrain is, uh, well, it was originally developed in 2004 by Media Vision, who we've spoken about once or twice, I do believe. But this Refrain version is a uh, sort of remaster with the, like all the DLC and stuff kind of included for the most part. I think they've created more DLC for Refrain because they got a nickel and dime you. But the Refrain version of the game was actually put out by a company called O2 Incorporated. And now, from my understanding of them, they've done a bunch of bunch of consoles across the board. They seem to be uh, a, like helpers. 
O2 Incorporated was established in, I believe, uh, 1995. Mm-hmm. And they've seemed to be mostly helping, like a, a bunch of helpers, like, oh, you're good at backgrounds. You do backgrounds. Or you're good at character art. Do care? You know, they, well, not, yeah. maybe not character art, but they just seem to be helpers in, in the beginning. And they seem to be a, so I guess like a, they're owned. I believe they're owned, or at least a subsidiary of of Sega. And okay. They've worked on everything Sega related. Because this game, Resonance, was published by Sega, wasn't it? Originally, did Sega pop yeah. up real big on the screen when we played? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. <laughs> they're the publisher. Yeah. But they uh, anything that's was it Saturn. Game Gear, Genesis, yeah. all that stuff. They've worked on every title from... Not every title, but they've worked on every console. Yeah. And so, they're actually not a huge company. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time, what I, all, all I could find on Wikipedia was they're... As of 2019, they had 107 employees. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of small, and they just tackle the problems and move on and help yeah. everybody. A lot of big publishers have a bunch of teams tackle games. They do actually have a pretty large list of clients that they have, or customers that they work for or work with. I'm just going to name off a couple of the big names and maybe one or two small ones. Mm-hmm. They've done, you know, uh, they've done, like I said, Sega, uh, Sony Interactive, uh, Square Enix, Nintendo, Microsoft, Bandai, Nippon Ichi, and the SNK Corporation. Mm-hmm. And then a few smaller ones, uh, Psy Games, Weave Company, and Fun Unit. Yeah. And they do a bunch of... <laughs> like you did a list of big things I've heard of. And you're like, and these little small ones and somebody I've never... Mm-hmm. Written, three things I've never heard of. They also do, as well as like working on all consoles, they do have a, a mobile unit. And they've launched a whole bunch of mobile games. Or help of course, that's how, how you get money. To the mobile stuff you like need, that. You need money, make a dumb mobile game. Idiots will pay money for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of what they do. But... The uh, the big one being the Media Vision, which mm-hmm. is the original people. They were, what's that? Uh, they did Wild Arms. They've mm-hmm. done every game for the Shining series. Really? They did all the Shining games? As far as, far as I could tell. I mean, my, my information may not be 100% perfect, but as far as I can tell, they've worked on every every Shining game, except for like the ports, of course. They're like, eh, we, we did this. Here's all of our information. Go away. Just like with Refrain. Mm-hmm. So they, they they weren't involved in the refrain. I think they were a little bit, just because you know the base game was there, and then they just threw it all. Yeah, the we'll get it. We'll get into it. Cause I wonder if they were involved in refrain because there's parts of refrain that uh, kind of messed the game up. Just a little bit. Yeah. So, one one last cool thing is uh, they actually have a long running artist, a gentleman named uh, Tony Taka. And he actually did all the he's done all the character art. He's done all the character art for from a certain point forward in the Shining series, starting in two thousand and four with Shining Tears, which was their first offshoot of the Shining Force series. Hmm. Well, let me, let me rephrase that: it was their first console version of an offshoot. They had done a bunch of like the the Game Gear, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy. But this was their first attempt at making a console version of something that wasn't Shining Force. It was just Shining. Uh, did that not come to America? A lot of their stuff doesn't, from what I looked into it in the beginning. Like they lately, they've been putting out remasters, or you can get stuff on the back when it was still there. The Wii, the eShop, e-shop the yeah. Wii thing, and a couple other things. 
but that is kind of what they did. And he's he has been the artist for even even in the Shining Force stuff since two thousand and four. He's been yeah. in the lead character. I don't think I've actually got my hands on any Shining Shining games before this. I feel like there's maybe we've played Shining Force Neo a long time ago. But that's the only thing was I that remember. A PS two game. I think so. I think yeah, Shining Force Neo is the only thing I, I feel I like I have it. What's that? Uh. That's Ark the that's Ark the Lad, right? That's Ark the Lad game we have on the on the PS4. Twilight Spirits. Yeah, that's, that's Ark the Lad. Twilight Spirits. No, that's the PS2. There's Ark the Lad, Ark the Lad 2, Ark the Lad 3, and then Twilight Spirits, which is one, two, three, and four. I think they're all on the PS4, aren't they? Or are they just that one game that one because it's a PS it's a PS2 to PS4 upscale. Oh, I think that's the Twilight Spirits. So that that's Ark the Lad though. That's not Shining Force. I believe so. Yeah. Oh boy, I have no idea. <laughs> so I really have never. This is really of all the shining games to play. Uh, I, I I find it hard to believe this would be the the best one to pick up. I think, considering what the series is really about, they did try because there was a four year difference between the original release and the refrain release. Well, didn't refrain just add all the DLC? Well, not only that, it was it was the the uh, Sega, the people who owned them said that they wanted to do a try to reach a bigger audience mm-hmm. and I've read it was like at a press conference in 2017 they're like oh yes uh, the at the time it was just called Shining Resonance Remaster yeah and Shining Resonance Remaster in 2017 was 90% done and they're like don't worry guys we're going to really it'll be released very soon and then a couple of months later it came down from Sega that they wanted to try to make it more available to a worldwide audience and so they were doing an English translation and it would be ported and released on the PS4 Switch and the Xbox One and then it that's when that's, it took another year to do all to get all that stuff ready and then they released it out in the summer of 2018 instead of like the yeah the Christmas time of 2017 I guess okay hmm. and it's like a lot of effort for a game that nobody nobody played which really <laughs> Well, it, 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 okay, we've talked about all the developer and everything. We're going to kind of take a bite into the, the genre and the gameplay, mm-hmm. and then we'll tackle some of my negative thoughts in the general. Yeah. So do you want to talk about the gameplay genre a little bit? I mean, uh, first and foremost, it really is just a, um, a JR, an action, action-based JRPG. You get a you get a lot of these uh, online. You see this most commonly compared to combat wise to uh, the Tales series. I don't think that's maybe the closest representation. Though Tales games move away from the battlefield to a, a different screen. Uh, this game you fight on the battlefield you're on. You walk up to the enemies and you just initiates combat and like circles you in an arena and you fight the enemies that are standing there. I saw that when I was doing. I saw that when I was doing my research, that a lot of people were comparing it to Tales. To Tales, and I was—I don't really get that because all the Tales games, like you said, they have a different camera angle, and a lot of the time, well, no, I guess they are three-dimensional. I'm thinking of the early ones that were two D, two D, kind of flat and jumping up and down, but I still don't really see it like Tales. Yeah. I see it more like Final Fantasy twelve, where you're all kind of like surrounding a. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of more long. It's kind of like a, a maybe a mash between Final Fantasy twelve and Tales. I don't. I get the Tales comparison, and it's the most common comparison for the combat. But I feel like that's just because nobody has anything else to compare it to. 
will that entail to the every time you see on the rare post of somebody talking about shining resonance you like it what people like what i like this on reddit and uh, always the top comment was like if you like a tales game you'll like this game and i'm just that's a stretch i feel like yes and no i i can see the similarities in the combat mm-hmm. and i also see the similar similarities with the nonsensical words that they make up well, Tillis is famous for making making up words every game. Yeah. And this has got some pretty... It's not as made up, but you, like, when they use it in a sentence and you're just like, whoa. Yeah, well, and, they try, and, they, and they try to make everything sound musical, too. All, all, the, all the words they use. Some of these words might not, might not be made up. They just shouldn't be used in these circumstances. Yeah, because I, I don't have any sort of music theory under my belt or anything like that or classically trained. I don't, I don't know an F-sharp chord or... The brown note? I, oh yeah, that's about the extent. The brown note <laughs> is the, the most I know about music. Uh, other than the, the combat, I mean, I guess the combat's generally okay. You control uh, any of your characters. You yeah. control you uh, you control one character at a time, the other to uh, take over on AI. Is it three? Is it, th- is it four in combat? Four. It's you and three others. It's okay, so four in combat. You control one at a time and the other three run around AI. You have basically no control over the AI, which I find unfortunate. You have a tiny bit. It's that attack or defend, and that's that's so general. Well, you also have, there's the, um, one of the things that I just found useless is the relationship thing. You can make them friends. I don't, don't, I don't I honestly don't know if that did anything. Well, depending on if it was like that tree leaf, the heart, the shield, or the sword, they would like, one would be more prone to use their support skills on people like your tank you'll, character. You'll, 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 I don't think you'd ever notice that ever happening. No, probably not. But it's there if, to if make it, you if, think. It, if it even, even happens. Because you have a relationship tree, of course, because it's a JRPG these days. Because all JRPGs need to have relationships now. Um, which relationships, depending on where you... Uh, which title your character... You earn titles, which is kind of kind of like a Tales game. That's true. And your, your title changes your your relationship to the other characters on this little grid, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like he's saying, depending on what the relationship is between the characters, they supposedly react differently in combat or prioritize a certain character over another character when it comes to healing or other various things. I don't think it's... I don't think it did anything. It sounds like a sales pitch. Like, oh, yeah, but like when it comes to the execution... It's hard to tell the difference. I don't. I, I honestly don't know if it if they did anything. Adding another adding another menu to your your main menu just to change it because I I rarely ever change the title. I made the title where everybody had a everybody had a little smiley face and that was it. I was in there a little bit trying to get certain things because I was also I guess it was a year between me and Drew playing when Drew played. He got to have a full-blown TA guide and all this other stuff. I had nothing. I had to wing it. You had a guy telling you some of the answers to say on the on the bullcrap dating parts of the game. Yeah. One of the other game things is it's... Uh, what's I'm looking for? It's it's harem style, where you have to try to get increase your relationship with all your people and go yeah. on dates. and. It's dumb because I guess they want you to pick one character and then like date them I suppose because that's how you get the different quote unquote endings like there's like eight endings it just depends on which character is in love with you but the game the way the game is designed you can make everybody fall in love with your character sort of fall in love the dudes are kind of indifferent 
Uh, but yeah. all the women are think you're the greatest thing ever by the end of it. And what's annoying about the dating sim aspect of this game, one, it's and honestly, it, it's a huge negative for the whole game. It, ma- it makes no sense. It throws off the flow of the storyline and makes all the conversations confusing with everybody. Very much. Because so. one, it's in general, it's bad. And two, the refrain side adds uh, two additional party members that you can date. And one of them is one of the main bad guys for a, lo- a good portion of the game. And one of them is another guy who's uh, comes in and out of the story throughout the game. And all of a sudden, they're around all the time in your town. I find that to be a, a big a big negative, including them being included in story events where you end up fighting them in the story events, and then you go back to town and they're just in town lollygagging around. I'm just like, oh. They're in your party fighting so, themselves. Yeah, or they're in your party fighting themselves. But and they only appear in the refrain version. You can play the original version of the game, but you got to play refrain if you want all the achievements. So you know what me and Blake did. We did get all the achievements, but it kind of felt like it ha- maybe hampered the story in a way, having them hanging out in town because you'd literally go fight one or both of them in the in the main story and come back to town and go on a date with one of them uh, like, like drew just said uh, and we've spoken a few times is there is an original version and the refrain version when you start the game it lets you pick either or and the the major difference in the refrain mode is the fact of the two additional characters who appear one of them just appears in the story. Sometimes he's the what, what he's doing game? other stuff than what the game is going on. He has a, a bigger goal. Yeah, other objective. And the sometimes other he fights you. Sometimes he helps you. <laughs> and the other character seems to be like the main bad guy's daughter. Well, yeah, but she kind of is the main bad guy for, for like good, half the game. Yeah. But the di- the big difference between the original and the refrain mode re- refrain mode. It's basically like having New Game Plus without having to play the game the first time. Because you get access to two additional characters. So certain fights where you only have two characters, you now have four. So the fight gets easier. Mm -hmm. As well as there is a transformation ability that you gain access to really, really early on. And you can use it from then on in any point in the game I believe in the original it was a timed thing we can only be used in certain story, certain boss, story fights. boss fights yeah and so the, it does make the game a whole lot easier but it can be slightly confusing with the two additional characters who mm-hmm. are in fact your enemies but they're also on your party so it just it, it, it could be confusing it, it hurts that's why I wonder if you say if Media Vision was involved if Media Vision okayed the making two bad guys pseudo bad guys playable from the from the start of the game, like they're like, they're just in your party when you start the when you start the refrain mode. We have to add them, but yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's default in your party because you only have two characters. When you when you first go out into the world to fight stuff, I think it's just you and. After the prologue, yeah. yeah after the prologue, it's the main character, which what's his name? His name is uh, Yuma. Yeah, Yuma, and then you have uh, the the girl, the princess, Sonya, and then you have the two random people from the story. Well, I don't even think you even met, may not even met them yet. And there's just two random people in your party when you start the game, so it was just kind of confusing. I was, I was pre-warned by Blake, but I'm sure it was extra confusing for him. Let's see here for before we delve into the story too much more. It's, do you want, I mean, we could do a mild, mild story spoiler. This game has a lot of talking and I guess a lot of story, but there's nothing honestly too grand about the story. It's just fight the. It's one nation fighting another nation for the majority of it. And then that kind of turns into a, 
a, gr- a bigger thing when the nation's trying to summon up some old ancient power and you gotta you have your, you have your own, the main character has been fused with some other ancient power and they're gonna try to use that to stop the other one I mean that's kind of the it's your standard wacky uh, wacky, wacky JRPG wacky. with some, yeah. some random stuff but let's kind of dig into it a little bit we have I didn't know one of the cool things is I didn't hate any of the characters. I didn't find any one character just so annoying. Too, too abrasive? Yeah. I was, I was say on that same note, I was surprised that a lot of times when you play JRPGs, and sometimes video games in general, for some reason they feel the need to make female voice actors throw their voice super high and be annoying all the time, especially in JRPGs. Why they got to throw their voices so high, I don't know. Maybe it's a Japanese thing, even but even English voice acting, why their voice is so high and loud and they're obnoxious. There's generally nobody really like that in this game. What's her name is starts off kind of like that, but chills out. Yeah, uh, that's, that's her, also her character. She's just kind of happy. Kind of happy, but the regular character, the main girl you meet at first, Sonya the princess, Sonya, uh, her voice actress is perfectly fine. She's never annoying. Uh, the second girl, Kirika, Kirika, she kind of has some high moments, but she kind of mellows out throughout the game a little bit. And then there's a few other, uh, one of the other girls, the girl with the eye patch. Oh, Marin. Marin, she's she's real do- kind of a uh, somber, so she's real chill and good voice actress too. And then you have uh, the one Excella, who's the additional character which you're which you get to play as now, who's actually one of the bad guys. She's a tad uh, uh I don't know what, what sultry ha- down. She don't she's sultry, but she's kind of she her, she has the deepest female voice. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think she's. I don't think she's dramatic per se, but the way her, just, I think her way her character is. She says ridiculous things sometimes, but she's being dead serious all the time yeah. in the story. And you're just like, okay, calm down, woman. But uh, I'm, I will give the game credit for the fact that the in uh, the, the female voice actors are actually actually quite good in this game, and it's. I think it's rare that they. Maybe they even take the role seriously or just give you a good performance where it's not like, like hurting your ears as they scream at you through your headphones. We wear headphones when we play games. Oh, yeah. So we have a pretty decent roster of characters. I think there's there's nine counting the two refrain characters. Mm-hmm. So that's what seven otherwise. Yeah, they kind of and it kind of feeds them to you throughout the. So you don't start with everybody. You kind of get you meet new people and they don't always join you right away. And one of the cooler core mechanics of the game is everyone everyone has a special weapon. A, sort of, uh, except for the, except for the now his is, his is still special but different. The main uh, main character Yuma he has a special weapon as well, but his isn't special in the same way everybody else's is. So, if you're gonna play this. I'm going to go ahead and spoiler warning right now, but you also find this out in the prologue of the game, so it's not a huge spoiler. Yeah, I wouldn't call that a spoiler, then. But, as you know, some people some people still get upset by it. Potentially everyone's weapon is carved from uh, the body parts of like bone, horn, or et cetera, of an ancient being known as the Shining Dragon. Hmm. It thwarted the great darkness... Millions of that's years a, ago. That's a war. What millions? A couple like a thousand years yeah, like ago. Five thousand years ago. A dragon war or something like that. That, that, that. The war has a name. I can't remember what it was. And with his uh, dying wish, he gave pieces of himself to mankind to be carved into ultimate weapons. 
And these weapons are called the uh, Draconic Armonics. <laughs> and basically everyone's weapon is... It's a weapon, but it's also stylized as a musical instrument. Yeah. And supposedly the weapons seek out people that are worthy of them. And true to normal video game fashion, your characters just happen to be the people that are selected throughout the game. All, all of you. <laughs> but that being as silly as that is, they actually did a really cool thing with each creation of the weapons. Yeah. Like, you, you have a... I'm going to name their names, but I'm not going to go into super detail. Your character, Sonya, mm -hmm. who is basically your tank, your sword and shield user, her sword and shield are the bow... It, her sword is uh, like the bow of a violin, and her shield has the strings, and she can blast mm -hmm. uh, the music waves of people. That's cool. And so that's really cool. And Kirika, she's mostly support and healing a lot. Yeah, she's amazing. She got some attack. She attacked in my game. Yeah, but that whirlwind, <clears throat> that whirlwind move. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. She, but she's, she's like your wind and light and magic, something like that. And they all, they all have their own elements. Yeah. Which her her bow and arrow is a harp, hmm. which I thought was a little strange, but it's it's a harp. Then you have oh I'm I'm no I'm I'm mistaken, I forgot about Kirika. Kirika's your bow and arrow. She's when, your, when I said the girls earlier, I, I was thinking about the girl the girl dressed in green has the high voice. Yeah, Rena. Rena. So we, we got that wrong. So Kirika is is mellow too, actually. Yeah. It's Rena who has the, the higher, higher the higher pitch. Sorry, we got I, got, I, got, I forgot about. Uh, forgot about Kirika completely. <laughs> she's one of the more important people, I guess. Yeah, she's a little uh, elven girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess her and uh, Rena both are elves. But uh, Rena has Rena is who I was thinking of that has the the higher. She's the more happy go lucky kind of higher pitched character. And well, I'll talk about her next too. Rena is she's hands down. She's your she's your magic. She's literally your stereotypical anime magic girl. She's yeah. got the long ponytails, the witch hat. And she flies around on her weapon. Yeah, she's the one that has the wind spell I was talking about when he's talking about her attacks. Rena's wind base. And hers is also a, uh, it's a flute? No, or a it's horn. a clarinet. I think it might be a clarinet because it's a... Is that a, bit, not a bigger horn? I don't remember. Oh, it's, 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 a cylinder, it's cylinder enough to be used as like a, like a rod, like a magic rod. Yeah. And then she sits on it and flies around. She's, she's a fantastic... Um, Extremely, she's one part of the entire game because of her magical abilities. Magic, and she's also the only person who has, oddly enough, a steel ability. Yeah, stealing, yeah. Unless you augment, but we'll get into augmenting in a second. Uh, next character is a gentleman named. Uh, I love this dude's name. He is. Hold on, I don't want to mispronounce it. Let me find it really quickly. Okay. His name is Agnum Bulletheart. The Blazing Pyromeister. Yeah, people may recognize him if if uh, you've been if you follow the Facebook page for a long 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 time. He's one of the two posts I actually made about this game when I was playing it. Uh, one of the uh, I don't remember the line of dialogue, but there's a line of dialogue you meet when he uh, he says when you first meet him, <laughs> and I was like, this is gonna be my favorite character. And it turned out throughout the game, throughout most of the characters, because Yuma's is boring as all as all hell as he can be. Uh, Agnum, I enjoyed having Agnum around the most, which probably makes Agnum probably probably my favorite character. It's hard not to like him because you go on whole when you go on talking scenes with him, he's always talking about the ladies, 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 and blah blah blah. And you get deep into his dating, 
and come to find out he's never been on a date before his entire life. It's pretty funny. I do thoroughly enjoy uh, Agnum. He's, as you can tell by the blazing Pyromeister name, is he is your fire bro. Mm-hmm. And his weapon is an axe that is also a, a guitar. It's also electric a, guitar. Yeah. And he, you know, he has a, he, you know, boost people's attack power, throw out some flamethrower, just shoot fireballs. All kinds of fire stuff. He's, he's really, I, I did my best to have a constantly rotating, because early on, people only gain experience when they're in your party. It's not until yeah. later where you get some items that they'll gain experience. And then once that happened, I picked my favorite party. But I had, I made sure I used every person constantly, like maybe. Who, so was your... My party was Yuma because you got my, my yeah. was Yuma, Sonya, Agnum, and Rena was my party for the majority of the game. I used Yuma, Agnum, Rena because the magic, and then depending on what I needed, uh, I would use Sonya, Kirika, or you used everybody. I bet, at, yeah. at a certain point, at a certain point, Sonya is so powerful. There's no really almost no sense. Yeah, you spend I spend a large piece of the game playing as Sonya instead of playing as Yuma because of how powerful she is. I just have uh, one, two, three, four more characters to go through real quick, and then we'll talk about some of the how you make the weapons work and stuff like that. They're pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, we're gonna do, I guess, the two. I'll do the two two DLCs after. You get a character named uh, Marin, mm-hmm. and they use a like a keyboard or a keytar yeah. that is also a rocket launcher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That person, we won't get into it, that person has the most complicated, probably, and disturbing little storyline. Yeah. yeah. They, 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 I won't that spoil was, that one. That I, was, I won't spoil that for anybody. That one was, it was dark and messed up, because she's, she's the last character. I think she's the last character you Second get. And you actually end up, uh, you fight her a couple of times, and I guess you fight her brother a couple of times. Yeah, it's confusing and weird Japanese-y JRPG yeah. stuff, but... It's she has the one of the darker stories. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy. I was like, whoa! I had to tell you immediately after it happened, and you watch it. Like, dude, did you see this? I was like, it was insane. And then after you have uh, Marin, then you get the your final original character, which is Leston. I forgot about him. And he uses a spear saxophone. Yeah, that's Kirika's brother. Yeah. I actually forgot about him. He's, he's your ice guy. You also get him so late in the game. So late. So very late. He's very bland. He's a military hardened guy. Come on, guys, let's do this. And yeah. He was he was probably my least favorite just because you get him so late in the game, he doesn't really have a chance to grow on you. Yeah. And he is what he is. He's just a military dude. Yeah. Which nothing against those pe- those guys, but or regret gals, but <laughs> Backpedaling real quick. Backpedal. <laughs> but anyway, it's just he's it, just that type in you see in movies and animes, just the super strict military guy yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. They happen. And then the two refrain characters that you get are Excella. She's the person you'll see in all the all the art. She's the main chick in the purple armor. She's on the front of the game case and stuff like that. She's is a Spear as well. Hers is like hers is like a uh, what do you call it a uh, when you're uh, running two horses at each other. Oh, a lance. A lance. There you there go. go. And hers is a, is a big old flute lance. It's a weird flute. She turns sideways and just like blows flute music as this giant 
Giant lance. Like, giant, like, knights riding horses lance. Massive. And she just turns it sideways and blows in the handle like a flute. And I'm like, okay, whatever. No. Yeah, she's unique because she has, because she's really a bad guy, and she has the, uh, one of the, one of the harmonics, the flute. She has one of the dragon harmonics. Yeah. And then the last uh, one is a gentleman named uh, Janus. And he doesn't have one of the uh No, he's just powerful. But he just rocks a uh, Sephiroth katana. Yeah, pretty much. He's actually, now that I think about it, I just said that just jokingly, but I'm like, he's he's just Sephiroth with a color swap. Instead of a black coat, he has a white coat. Instead of white hair, he has black hair, and he has a long katana. And yeah. he's real somber, and he's trying to save save the world by himself. No. And well, he, listen, it's, listen. He's not trying to destroy the world to save it, you know, for his alien mother, but <laughs> he's trying to... He's doing his own thing. Yeah. But that's actually kind that's of like where he, where he, where he, Yeah, it's funny. Where he ends up, sometimes he's battling you because you're in the way, or sometimes he's helping you because you're on the same path. Or he's in your party and, and refrain. Yeah. And... I enjoy, like we said earlier, all the English voice acting is pretty good. I didn't have any complaints. And my bigger complaint is a game that's about musical instrument weapons. None of the music really super stood out to me. I didn't, I wasn't like blown away by. The only cool thing in the music, and you you, you never caught it, I had to point it out to you way after the fact, that there is a general battle winning theme that's a few like a few seconds long when you win a, win a combat because it's got to be quick because you go into combat you win you move on it's just quick as it is, mm-hmm. but the combat winning theme uh, changes depending on which characters are with you it 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 push it puts their it puts their instruments into the winning theme I thought it was pretty cool that yeah you have a better ear for music than I do but that yeah that is but it's kind of cool. neat well, I first noticed I really didn't notice until honestly until I had Agnum and all of a sudden there's like guitar in the winning theme I was like oh wait a minute. And, he, and and you start swapping characters out, and you start listening. It's like, oh crap! The, this ending, this winning theme changes depending on which characters are in your party. That was really cool. And small details like that are awesome when you yeah. catch on. But I'm not. I don't have the ear for for music like Drew does. Yeah, I just I thought that part was cool. And that's about the only thing uh, musically that's overall impressive. I mean, I don't have. I haven't picked the music for this for this game yet. I'll be playing a couple of things. Uh, well, the other music thing would be there is one character, one bad guy. Who has a theme, a pretty cool little metal theme that plays every time he's around. What was his name? Ooh, the crazy, the crazy white-haired guy. Oh, Zest. Zest has a uh, a theme. Every time he shows up, his his little rock theme starts playing. So hopefully, I'll be able to find that. I might end up playing that here. <laughs> I've already played it. Who knows in the crazy world of editing? But uh, the, uh, I didn't actually finish my thought when I was talking about the characters. Yeah. Because remember how earlier I said every all these uh, draconic harmonics are created from the bones or leftovers of the shining dragon. You find out in the prologue that the main character you play as Yuma is actually the shining dragon reborn. Or it, it's, it's kind of spoilery, but it, it the, the the essence of the dragon can 
jump around because of uh, Janus. True. Yeah, so he can jump around. So he, like, he wasn't like born. He wasn't like I don't think I don't think he was born. Or was he born? I don't know. The, the dragon's essence possessed his pregnant mom, and then she died. He was shining born. dragon guy's mom pregnant? No. I, I don't know. Weird Japanese. You're saying you're saying Yuma's Jesus? No, I don't think God's a dragon. <laughs> At least not in this universe. Maybe another one that's got a cooler universe. But his we, weapon. You, you don't know Yuma's dad, do we? No, he doesn't talk about it. For all we know, it could be Janus, but I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> I don't think the age, the age, and the age works out there. No, but the, and then, hit, then hitting on Janus later in the dating things just makes this way too even weird. Even more awkward. But hey, it's, it's okay. It's a dating sim. But his weapon is called Vandal Horn, and it's the actual horn of the shining dragon. Like when you transform into the shining dragon, yeah, it's a big horn. The horn is your sword, so that's pretty it's a cool. big two-handed two-handed sword. Yeah, it's pretty awesome looking. It's pretty cool, yeah. Which it also does a thing where it makes people uh, different for RPGs. Is because of the because of the specialness of the weapons, uh, you don't get other weapons in the game. Mm-mm. You get upgrades and uh, what, what's how, what, what do you call them? They're called. Uh, hold on, I have it wrote down here. You have tunings. Yeah, tunings to the weapons, which change your stats of the weapons and sometimes the stats of your characters to do certain things. And then you also have each tuning has between zero. And five slots mm-hmm. where you put the aspects, and this is where the game <laughs> very, very confusing. We're sorry. This is where the game gets kind of like I said. I said the, the Sephiroth early gets kind of Final Fantasy VII because these aspects are basically materia. They're colored with the you know red, blue, green, yellow, mm-hmm. white, pink, purple, black. So I may have gotten some there's colors. like eight or nine colors, yeah. And then each character excels at a specific color. Depending on the, uh, it really depends on the uh, tuning because we find out that there is, one, there's achievements for getting all the tunings and there's achievements for, if you max out their starter tuning. Any tuning. I think it's their starting tuning. If you max out their starting tuning, they get a special additional tuning. Is that how it works? You get a special tuning and that special tuning is the one you kind of want to end up playing the rest of the game with because that one is, uh, doubles, doubles the effect into this. Of certain of, of a of a color. No, it picks a color. Each character it picks a color, and it doubles their effect of their as of their, whew, of their aspects of that color. So you end up getting there. I didn't play with a lot of the tunings. I did the main tuning, which it takes a lo- kind of a long time to max out a tuning. Mm-hmm. I really really maxed out the first tuning. for everybody, everybody has 15, 20 tunings. There's a bunch. Ones you can buy in shop. Ones you get from doing special side missions. Side quests. Side quests. Yeah. Or their relationships. Give and you like relationships give you tuning. So I really, because I was playing for like the achievements and stuff like that, I didn't really want to bother jumping around tunings because it takes a lot. Because I knew that I had to, ma- everybody had to master a tune, the first tuning to get their fi- the, the special tuning. So I was like, you spend the whole good portion of the game uh, with them on one tuning. Because if you're jumping around tunings, you're never going to master a tuning. No, it'll never. There's not. There's not enough game unless you want to play even longer than we did. And I, I don't know how long. I'm how long I, I played. I played seventy, almost. I think a little over seventy-two hours. I think mine was less because I had a Blake give me some prior knowledge to expedite my playthrough. I think yeah. mine was a little shorter. And I did one K it though. We both we both one K it, yeah. But uh, so the tunings is a whole other thing, and then you let the tunings, and then the you want to get the special tunings because they do. They're the only tunings that uh. 
double the power of aspects, and then you start matching matching every character to that that particular color, and they become nearly godlike. You become basically invincible at that point. There are because each of the the colored aspects depend on a a trait like you know raises strength, but there's two. There are these silver gray ones and these green ones that really boost uh, speed and evasion. Well, that's that's for uh, well the, the aspects that you end up giving to Sonya. She's a tank or taunter. She taunts. She like slaps her shield and taunts people, and you give her aspects that uh, raise her evasion so high that she taunts people, and all enemies will turn towards her, and nobody can hit her. And the cool thing about that, uh, I'm, I'm gonna use her specifically. Because there's other ones for other characters, but Sonya seems to be the one that everyone talked about because it was the most game-breaking. Yeah, she's wild. Because she gets these three aspects, and one raises evasion 10%, one raises 20%, and one raises 30%. Yeah. So just having them equipped is... 50%. Was that 60%? Yeah, 60%. You can't equip same aspects but you can equip the upgraded versions of them which is how you're able to get her 10 20 and 30 percent all in one weapon mm-hmm. but then if you have it on that special tuning which i think hers is actually called the green crescendo or something like that I think they're all crescendos or, I think. yeah emerald crescendo or green crescendo and it it 1.5 percent increases the um yeah well, doubles everything yeah basically doubles, doubles everything so she has 100%. So she gets more than. Yeah, more than 100% evasion. Right. Basically. I, I, don't know if it, I, don't know if it, I don't know if it rolls over 100% or not. You don't really, is there a stats screen that shows you what their stat, their not general stats really. are? Not really. You kind of just, it tells you it's doubling the power, and you just kinda, you math it out yourself, and basically she becomes invincible. Because you have the aspects, and then you equip her with a specific accessory or so that also does that. Yeah. And so basically you just have her going, hey, come and hit me, you know, boosting her aggro rate or aggro level by you know 50 or 100 percent and all the enemies run at her and it's just like miss 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 miss, 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 miss. so while she's got all the the aggro you just have people wail and we which is standard tank operating procedure but the fact that usually tanks take hits not are completely completely the fact that she's i think she can still get hit by magic but physical attacks miss 99% 99% of the time late, like in late game so she can become a godsend so Jeez. not only that for one thing she has a she, she uses a rapier and the rapier she has a, a, a Y her Y attack is a really rapid stabbing thing and the enemies have a, a break status where you break an enemy I don't know if you played Final Fantasy 13 or anything like that kind of like that staggering staggering or breaking this has a breaking thing and she is the breaking character she's literally it's what her her on top of being a defensive god, her her other role is the other most important role. She's the breaking character. She can rape your people until it breaks her defense. So it's like, you know, I need to share the wealth with other characters. Nobody else has. Like uh, Rena's whirlwind thing will do some breaking. When her whirlwind tends to kill everybody, honestly. Uh, but even, I mean, I like Agnum, but Agnum didn't have anything specifically... Besides, I just wanted a, a bombacious character in my party blowing, shooting fire all over the place. He didn't really have any specific thing he was great at. And the same thing with uh, Yuma, who's, I think, I don't know if Yuma's stuck in your party. Maybe you can swap he him out. He is, though. You can swap Yuma out. Yeah. But I kept him because he was the main character. He don't have anything really special besides tra- changing 
excuse me, changing into the dragon, which Blake mentioned earlier, which you can do in any any fight now, changing into the dragon. Once your meter fills up, and it does transfer between fights. Yeah, so there's that. But uh, but she is like the most broken character in the game. Like there's no anybody who didn't. I know Blake said he rotated her out all the time. I don't know. I, I mean, having, not having her in your party just seems insane because she destroys everything, and you cannot kill her. Because it wasn't necessary all the time. Yeah, I mean, she's thinking. overkill for sure. Oh yeah. If I mean, you wanted fights though, maybe be a bit more interesting. Maybe you could use other people, mm-hmm. but you can go through a fight and just mash on why she's going to destroy everything. She, once I got uh, also uh, these aspects uh, we we're talking about. Uh, the, once you get later, like around chapter five of the game, is when you have access to start building these aspects. That as long as they're equipped to someone's tuning, they can gain experience while on the bench. Yeah, that's that's what you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to get that thought out before we completely let it fade away. And so once you get to that point, then you pick your favorite characters. And with that, Sonya never left my party. Yeah. After that. Yeah. And I always you just, you just put those little experience aspects on the other characters and forget about them. Mm-hmm. I ended up not even I ended up not even using the two, Excella uh, uh, and Janice. I didn't I didn't bother I didn't like them. I didn't, I didn't bother using them. I used Excella has a phenomenal gravity attack. Oh yeah. Uh. But really, all she, all I ever had with her was that gravity attack, and I was like, okay, I, I get it. But uh, but that that, that see, that's good early on, and then you get the broken Sonya, and then you're just like, well, Sonya can taunt. I don't need your gravity anymore yeah. to help pull because like so uh, not Sonya, uh, Excella throwing out the gravity ball, pull all the enemies, then have Rena cast her wind tornado, fantastic combo. Well, Rena gets a more powerful wind attack that just hits everybody anyway. Very true. So then, yeah, she has a whirlwind thing, and then later she learns a more powerful wind spell that literally hits everybody—not you, but hits all the enemies on the field, regardless of where they are. She's a powerful character too. You can make very, very broken. You can characters. boost, and you end up boosting her. Uh, Rena's, I think you boost her MP and her uh, lower her spell casting time and, and stuff like it that. So she, cost, so she can't take a hit like Sonya, but she can dish out damage like no other. Well, the proper term for any. Amazing mages. Glass cannon. Glass cannons, yeah. yeah. See, so now I think we're going because we've talked so, a lot of good stuff, and I'm about to hit a real hard negative point. Okay. Well, so I guess generally we kind of did dig the. We have talked a lot about the combat and character builds, I suppose. I, mean, I guess the combat does end up being entertaining through, through the vast difference of all the characters, though we didn't really use the spear guy. What's his name? Leston. Leston. I didn't, I didn't ever use Leston. He's ice-based attacks. He's ice-based. Uh, I, I didn't even use Miriam that much because she, she's the next to last character you get at a certain point. Once you've had Sonya and all them for so long, then... She is your highest damage dealer, period. But that's uh, single hits. That's not like DPS and stuff like that. Like I'm looking for a high DPS. Serves is a little slower. Yeah, she, she just can't keep up with it. Like, I liked her as a character... In general, yeah. her stories, but yeah. as its gameplay mechanic, I would rather use a faster character to, to yeah. get through the fight faster. Yeah. Now, like I said, we're gonna tackle some of the the we talked about earlier, the relationship statuses and the harem style and the dating. Yeah. This it did nothing for me but take away from the gaming experience. Yeah, it was I, a drag. It's a big. It's a big negative. So what it is is you have to. Because we had to do it because it's annoying because to get the multiple endings, uh, to get the multiple endings, um, you have to have every character be in love with you. Like like you you technically, 
you raise there's there's a a meter that you can't see I guess there's like a like a statistic of how much they like you whatever throughout the game it's it's a number behind the scenes. So when it, well, I'll jump ahead, what you're trying to do for the to get the all the endings for us and the 1K is have everybody love you, and then at the final area before you fight the last boss, you talk to the one person whose ending you want. It's really just an additional little talk scene after the credits. It's a post-credit scene, which so is you so lame. everybody shows up. You pop up in the ending. Everybody's hanging out beside the final area, and everybody's got little hearts above their heads. Everybody that you got to like you enough has little hearts above their heads. I, because I I had a guide that gave me the answers to questions they ask you, which let me boost their uh, relationship status to me to as fast as possible. At the end of the game, every character but Leston had a heart above their head. Mm-hmm. So I had to go do a few little things with him. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I made sure I got had his heart before I beat the game. And then I literally fought the final boss eight times that night. I did too. I, did the same thing. I knocked it out all in the I same I knocked night. it all out in once to get to get all the endings. We're so power- You're so powerful. The last boss fight takes seconds. It was, yeah. And that's like, I know me and Mike talked about cheating in some video games. You don't even have to cheat in this game. You're so powerful by the end. I mean, literally the last boss, it's it's seconds. Yes. It takes longer to get through the dialogue than it does to actually fight the last boss in this game. But, but just the... I just don't understand why everything's got to be a dating sim and a relationship status. Why... Because I guess they want people to be more interactive to get more attached to these. So, doesn't matter. The attachment doesn't matter because the conversations you have with these people are so stupid. And it bland. takes it takes away from the characters. It takes away from their personalities. I feel like all that stuff like that. You'll go to you'll go to the main story have a, have a serious confrontation with some serious stuff happen, and you'll come back to town. And it's time to let's walk around town and let's talk to all my characters and go on a, go on a big round of dates. And then you have. A, you have a perfect example will be Kirika. Kirika is a devout believer uh, in like the Shining Dragon, and she's a really not somber character, but she's a real serious character. Mm-hmm. She's a like a priestess kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. And then the more you talk to her, and her relationship comes up, she becomes a lovesick idiot who's a, who's like, oh, I've I now know that there's a difference between the Shining Dragon and Yuma, and I love Yuma. Almost as much as I love the shiny dragon, but in a different way. And you're just like, this and is, the, and that is, and it's in no way related. Your next cutscene in the main story could have her acting completely differently. And on top of all that, the whole game is voiced except for the dating stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Well, some they, of the they some of enough to put to some put of the some, some, into but it. some of it is voiced randomly enough. Like the full blown aren't the full blown dates voiced. Or is it some of the some of the talking? Some of the so the, so there's a mixture. Okay, it's a, it's annoying. Believe believe it. Sorry, we're gonna get in. There's an initial talking to all the people. Like you gotta go around town, and they have a little a little a little talky bubble above them. You talk to them, and then you have to. Uh, they'll ask a question. It's a random set. Of, it's annoying. We have the list of questions, and the questions they ask are ra- is random. Blake didn't think it repeated. It ends. It turns out that it does repeat. And you answer the question correctly, you'll 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 raise your relationship, and it'll give you a chance. If your relationship's high enough, they'll be like, "Hey, do you want, are you doing anything tomorrow?" And then you go on the actual date, and you have to go on so many dates with each character. I think I think it's a predetermined number. I think it's all the same, mm-hmm. five or six dates. You have to get through so many conversations to maybe trigger the dates, then to maybe 
get all the dates lined up for every single one of the characters to have them all available, ready to go at the end, end of the game. And it's such an absolute and total drag. Because the only thing you have to do is you have late night conversations, and that's how you get a chance to get dates. And that sometimes, depending on if there was a, a major story event, some of that stuff actually might be voiced, which is, you know, because yeah, that's some character growth there. But then the actual date itself, and then like the post date little cutscene, it's not voiced, it repeats itself, because you're, you're, cause you're, you're also stuck in your hub town. Uh, yeah, that's the Margo. One. Marga? Yeah. I think it's Marga. Yeah, we we need to mention that. You do have a hub. That's how the game we mentioned how the game works is a hub city and you travel out away from the city into the wilderness and mountains and deserts and all that stuff and you end up always coming back to the city to deal with everything else. Yeah. But you're basically you go to the babbling brook. You go to the flower shop or you go to the market. Or you go to the windmill, and it's only ever one of those, maybe the water fountain, it's only ever one of those five places, and they just say some just annoying, dumb dialogue that doesn't do yeah, anything. I, I, I didn't read any of it. Yeah. I skipped, I, it all, did, I skipped all the date dialogue. Yeah. I, I, me too. Because it did nothing for me. Because I, I read the first couple of ones, and I was just like, these are annoying. Yeah. And it's, I, I it's, just, ca- it's character breaking. It's And Yuma is a moron in all of them. Well, he's your standard... They they turned it into the standard harem style anime character. Where he's like, "What? I don't know. Uh, do I love him? Do I not love him? What like, do I do?" Up. And he says that with nine characters, how many characters are he's in love? And the way we play it, because that, which maybe is the wrong way to play. Like for our my game, Yuma loves everybody, yeah, including in, including the disinterested dudes. <laughs> so it's just like I don't know, because he was like he was he would hit pretty hard on the on the dudes. But they didn't write the dudes to be like they're interested in men. To so be the, reciprocated. Yeah. So like Yuma would be like really into girls, and then like he's really into dudes. But the dudes would like brush him off like a brother, kind of weird thing. They'd be like, "You're my best friend, You're my battle buddy, or whatever." Like <laughs> him and him and Janice had like we're like battle partners or something like that. And Angus was just like we're like we're best we're like brothers or something like that. Or or was the, was the what what was less than like brothers? I don't know. One of them was like a, like a brotherly thing, but Yuma. He wasn't no brother in Yuma's eyes. Well, Leston was like, we're associates at best. Uh, Magnum wanted, he was like, we're brothers, we're family, bro. And then Janus was like, we're, you know, we're we're, uh, compatriots, battle partners, whatever. But the the juxtaposition of how hard Yuma's writing is hitting on them to their reactions is just... It's it's ridiculous and it's it takes away from, it takes away from the game. It does. It just it's so dumb and so badly. It just it just makes no sense and doesn't does not benefit the main story. It's so separate from the main story. You wouldn't believe. You thought it would intertwine in some way, and it doesn't at all. Like I can't even say because admittedly we said earlier there are some tunings and certain special like one of a kind aspects that are tied to the dating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the game is fairly easy enough that even those super special ones, I would if you're not going for the 1K, don't bother. Don't bother don't, with don't the even dating. Do it. If all you care about is getting to the story, yeah, don't do yourself ever. Don't that, even don't do that. will also shave off about ten or twelve hours. Yeah, or more. If you play straight to the story, like literally the storylines, go out, go out in the wilderness, have a story battle, come back to town, the the town, the princess and the king talk about it. Mm-hmm. 
what do we do next? Go out, go out into the thing. I mean, there's more story happening, but it's go out, to, go out, go out there. Story, come back. Story, go out there. Story, come back. Story. We were breaking it up every t- every return trip was a round of dating. I did. I do want to because uh, I didn't talk about it just now, but Marga is actually it's a pretty good town. I like it. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's got all your nice little stuff. But the way the world works, this annoyed me a little bit. Is there's no fast travel to a location. Yeah. You have to walk to every single location. You go further and further out throughout the game. You do get uh, Marga Stones, which lets you warp to the main town. So you can cut back on your trip back, but your trip out is the same. But they at least do a smart thing where every chapter, the world levels up a little bit. Oh, yeah. So you're not going through and constantly fighting level one enemies. You'll, I think it literally goes up in sets of two or uh, ten. Something like that. So you find a bunch of level one enemies, then chapter two, they're all like level yeah. one. Unfortunately, sometimes, you know, you have the Marga Stones. If they have plot sequences for your return trip, yeah, you, can. you have to walk back and walk through the story sequences again and walk all the way back to town. It does that to you multiple times. Uh, sometimes, it'll just, sometimes it'll just take you back to town every, yeah. every night on its own, and sometimes it just drops you, and it's like, we should go back to town, and then you just warp back. Like, it'll... it'll, it'll uh, if their story, like the Marga Stone, will be blacked out, you get you, you you know you're like, oh, I guess I'm walking back. And that's the, that is hands down my biggest negative is the harem system. It's a it's a huge negative. It's, Other than that, the, if that was out of the game, I would like the game about probably twofold because I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, cool story, cool characters. I love the art. The yeah. music was you know the story. Whatever. The story's not phenomenal in any way, but maybe if they took all the effort they spent writing these harem sequences, they could have put more more effort into the main story. It would have been, it would have been a better game for it. Yeah. Or at least incorporated, I don't know. I'm, I'm so annoyed with relationship building in video games. Yeah. Let I, it, did, I, didn't even, I didn't even like it. What Persona's famous for, I didn't like it in Persona 5. It's not what I wanted to do. And I knew that's the key aspect of Persona. It's more important in Persona well, than, than it is in anything else. Sorry for changing topic to a different RPG, but... It didn't help is when you start, for me personally, when you started in Persona, you're like, oh man, I feel real bad for a lot of these characters. Mm-hmm. And then the more you get to know them, you're like, I really don't like any of these characters. Yeah. You're shallow, you're stupid, I can't, st- some of them are damaged and they're good characters. Yeah, but at least your main character in Persona wasn't trying to bang everybody. I mean. There was a list, I mean, a certain ones he, <laughs> was, he was, I guess, in five per se, we've only played Persona five, but uh, at least he wasn't literally hitting on every single person he talked to, which is what. Human he was doing. He was like, I don't care. Let's do this. Just yeah. like in uh, Dragon Age 3 where you can just, everyone was wanting to jump on that knob. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Thing. Anyway, like, let's skip because it did, it's it's a cool, interesting thing if done right, but then every game's doing it now, so it's not as cool. Like It's a, it's a weird JRPG staple, it seems. It's, it's a big negative. It's for more people who want to play the game. It's a big negative. I would say, quite, we said, we said before, if you were the only reason we did it was for to get all the endings for the achievements and the ending will tell on the front end the endings are not worth the effort. We got each ending was an each ending was an achievement for us like boom you know for the 1k. If you do not care about achievements, do not do the harem thing. Just play the story, fight the fights and enjoy the story. There is no no benefit. You think it's there's no character building, there's no like it's what little, like you said, he read a bit of the of the harem stuff, some of the dates in the beginning. You read a bit of the dates in the beginning, and you're like, whew, they're, they're, they're saying nothing. Yeah, you find out one of the ones, here's a perfect example. 
I, you know, trying to get a date with Rena, and we do all this stuff, and the the big reveal to the whole date was her least favorite food is carrots. That sounds Kirika. Oh yeah, it was Kirika. Oh yeah, that was Kirika, not Rena. My bad. It was Kirika. It was a huge ordeal about like a, a secret, and then you're like, oh god, what is it? And I don't like carrots, but it's so and so's favorite food, so I have to pretend to eat them at dinners. And you're just like, that was a waste of so much time. And so I, just, I, I once I figured that out, I just stopped reading the dates altogether. Yeah. That was the point. I was, I was like, oh, this is dumb. Screw the dates. Yeah. I think you, I think you read read more of the dates than I did. And you warned me on the front I end. I warned you on the front. I think you may have read one or two. You're like, it can't be that bad. And you're like, I thought I thought maybe bad. I thought maybe there'd be character or some sort of character building. You come to find out that there's, they're not. It's not tied to the main story in any kind of way. There's nothing that's referenced. And I guess they couldn't, depending on how far you were in a date. They can't reference your date relationship to the main story. So they're, it's completely separate. It's like two different games. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like they're two, like some characters, the way they act is like two different characters. Vastly, vastly different characters. But enough uh, pooing on that part of the, uh, of the system. There's one other cool thing, which... Uh, there's two more little tiny kind of funny points that I want to tackle, and then I think I'll be done. Yeah. Is starting with chapter three. This was a this is one of the cool things that they added to refrain, is the dungeons. Yeah. That that, that starts chapter three. It starts I, in chapter three. I you know, because that seems early. Because that that girl doesn't appear until chapter three. Yeah. Very mysterious. Elf. And w- these dungeons are pretty cool. They go there. It's entirely based on. Where you are in the story is like a, a max level, mm-hmm. but you go to these dungeons. These dungeons, I say, are a must because these dungeons hold those super special aspects. Mm-hmm. Well, two of them. The main one is the. Um, there's a dragon as there's a dragon aspect for. Is that the one that makes Yuma hit more than one time? Mm-hmm. Per, yeah, there's an aspect that you get in there. That Yuma every sword swing hits multiple times. It, it drops his attack to like eighty percent. But then he hit every attack hits three times, so you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, he comes pre- he comes pretty much crazy at that point. And the other, there's like you know some really cool items, but they're bah humbug. The two main ones you want the dragon aspect for Yuma, this makes him uh, stupid, and then it's the final one of a kind green aspect for Sonya, which is the thirty percent evasion. It's the only way to get it is doing the dungeons. I'm not gonna delve into that. If you have questions, you can. The dungeons aren't nothing, nothing fancy. They are. It's it, thankfully they are. Uh, the maps are unique to the dungeons. Like you're not running. Th- I thought you'd be running through old areas because they're they're are they randomly, they're they're sort of randomly generated. But it's just like so many different rooms. You see, there's like eight room styles, and it just shuffles the rooms around in some hallways, and you're fine. You just run through yeah. the same dungeons over and over again. But what it does do, uh, and is also breaks the game a bit, is the dungeons are always matched to your character level. To I believe Yuma's. I think maybe Yuma's. maybe it's just Yuma's level. So you always get more experience when you do the dungeons because experience experience points you get is based on your level opposed to the other to your enemy's level. So you'll see when you win a battle, you'll see an experience pop up on all your characters. Everybody's experience is different because sometimes because of their levels, you start out to balance your levels at the beginning of the game and then people leave and just come back and it's weird. You'll see that everybody's, everybody's getting different experience, uh, because based off your level, but what's cool about the the thing is that always, because you'll end up fighting lower in lower level enemies in the main story, especially if you do the dungeons, because the dungeons raise to a certain, they, uh, they go to, they cap based on where you are in the story. 
but uh, it's cool because you're all you always get more experience from the fights in the dungeons because it's always at your level of fighting. And that's how you break the game because there is I think there's Jim Free at least getting Yuma to level ninety nine. Mm-hmm. I don't think every I think it was Yuma get to level ninety nine. I got they got everybody there. I think one or two characters may have fell off the wayside because they died at one point in the game. And I'm like, you're at 97. I mean, you're not even going to be my final party anyway. I don't care. <laughs> but these dungeons are a must. At least if you want to make Sonya truly broken. Yeah, you don't need it to. If you're, like you say, if you're not doing achievements and you're just kind of playing through the main game, it's unnecessary because you, the game's not hard. Not really. Some fights, like you end up, you fight Janus, he's probably the hardest fights in the games, I would say, because he's supposed to be cool and powerful, I guess. When you get him, he's not powerful and typical as a character. Uh, he's probably, I would say he's probably the hardest fights. Him and maybe the Zest. Were Zest fights hard? I don't know if Zest fights were actually hard. They could be. Yeah. But a lot of his fights, too, at least early on, are unwinnable anyway. Like, you That's have right. to yeah, lose he's the, story. Yes, that's that, that, that JRPG cliche of you can't beat him. Even though you beat the piss out of them because you're overleveled. Now there are a lot of other characters I'm not really gonna get into. So, like, there's some pretty cool enemies. Uh, the I did uh, the character designs are awesome, and the creature designs are pretty awesome. You find some oh, really cool yeah. looking monsters. We, we, we didn't we didn't talk about art 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 in general. Exactly. It's, it's kind of anime. It's anime art. There's not a, there's nothing in the game that's not pushing any kind of graphical boundaries. So it's just the game. It still looks cool. Some of the monsters you fight. Yeah, art style. I always say art style over quality. I guess sometimes is where we where we end up being. But I don't want to talk about too many of the bad guys. We talked about the two of them, but there's a couple others. So at least there's surprises for people who when they do play. Or yeah. there's one other one final character I do want to talk about. You don't get to play as him. But he he's with you for I think the entire game. He's always always there. He is the captain of the guard for the kingdom or for the city of Marga or the kingdom of Marga. His name is uh, Captain Burroughs. Now this is a gentleman that I actually would have go out of my way to. He, you, you can't date him or nothing like that. But he has a talk bubble and you can talk and interact with him a whole lot because he has these just fantastical stories. He's just the guy who exaggerates about everything. Uh, one of my favorites stories was he, he the their army had been beaten and they were trying to retreat and then a larger army was following them and in order to protect his his king and the kingdom and the princess, he decided to t- whip his horse around and run back towards the enemy and he then fought and I believe their number was he fought like two to five thousand enemy soldiers single-handedly, fought them so well that it scared the army that was chasing them away. And then when he got back to the kingdom, he was rewarded with a kiss on the cheek from the princess. And you're like, that's silly. That is ridiculous. Who, you know, because he's told you some wacky stuff early on that you're not. Yeah, he does you a couple, couple of. Interesting, funny stories. And then this particular moment, uh, I believe Sonia, who's the princess in that he was talking about, she goes, oh, is uh, Burroughs uh, regaling you with some of his extraordinary tales again? And Yuma's like, oh, yeah. I mean, he said he fought 5,000 people and got a kiss on the cheek. And she goes, ugh, I never kissed him on the cheek after that fight. 
And you're like, what? <laughs> what do you mean after that fight? That's true? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He did a couple. Of, it was like a, like a running gag there for a minute. If you got, if you caught, if you talked to him enough, you get a couple of those weird stories where the the thing he's the thing you think he's exaggerating is not is not is, is the don't is uh, is not is not right. He's doing incredible feats, and what he's exaggerating is the stu- is the stupid small things. Like one of them was he uh, he shot an arrow and it ricocheted and killed like four enemies, and then he uh, won a drinking contest with the king. And it turns or was it, or was it, or was it, or was it Sonya? Is it Sonya a heavy drinker too? I think so. Yeah, he won. He won a drinking contest against Sonya that same night, and while drunk, he shot the arrow and killed four or five enemy soldiers with one arrow. And it turns out he actually lost the drinking contest, but he still performed the awesome still... shot. <laughs> yeah, I like stuff like that. Yeah, he's funny. Um, he's somebody I wish would have joined you instead of one of the. Other other characters. Been, he it had been a cool twist. It would have been a twist, but I guess like, you can't have him tell those stories and then have him run around and oh, die yeah. in combat. Or they could have did like a really cool because the game. One of the things I don't like also it's also a cheap cheap trick is instead of cutscenes you just have like this the moving it's character the, models always the same thing two yeah. character models talking back and forth. But then this, you see flashes across the screen and grunts and stuff. Yeah, we mentioned that in, in an earlier episode. I hate, I hate. It's just, I know games have budgets and can't budget full blown cutscenes like this Final Fantasy VII remake. They don't have millions of dollars like a big company back then. Sega's no Square Enix. No. To budget a game that has full blown cutscenes, I wish we could get to a point where RPGs could have full blown cutscenes again. Well, it's also depend because I remember to this day it's still one of my favorite cutscenes of all time. But the game didn't get talked about enough is uh, Last Remnant. Yeah, Had it's still when, a square game though. You know when you know the Conqueror walks into the 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 main town and kills one of your main characters and then steals this giant remnant. It's, and it's an amazing, glorious fight. Mm-hmm. But then no one talks about con- that game. Conqueror, voiced by the same voice actor as Piccolo, Christopher Sabat. <laughs> Oh man! But uh, I want to talk. I, I would like to talk about that game eventually, but I've never been able to beat it, so let's not do that. Um, have you? Do you have anything else you want to add? I'm trying to think. So we got art, the combat, the combat's action combat. Uh, we talked about all the characters. Yuma may be the least because he's not that interesting of a character. Like his his key points is he's he got the shiny dragon in him. That's all he has. And for the most part, he is kind of a blank slate early on. Yeah. Because of well, when you. In the prologue, when you find him, you he's been imprisoned and tortured for the last ten yeah. years of his life. Ten years? Uh, he's been in prison for a long time. He doesn't show the wear and tear of ten years, though. Well, with the way he's long. so quiet and stuff like that. But I don't think... He's, he's been in prison for some time, at least, and they're trying to force something out of him. Is it not the dragon? I think it is the dragon, but... The, sci- the scientist that's there? Yohakim. Yohakim, which ah, is the other is the other picture. I I posted this. I did two posts for this game while I was playing it. One was one of Agnum's lines. The other one was a post where we had uh, thwarted Yohakim multiple times. And the what the line he says, I can't remember what it. You have to look to scroll through the post of the Facebook. One of the lines he has was something like, "Where every time every time something is 
something goes wrong for him or something is broken, we're always there. And then we were there, so we were stealing something from him. And now you're like, now, now you're here taking away from me. I forget the line he wrote. I can't. I mean, I'm botching it, but the line he actually had about us always thwarting him was a really funny and a uh, good line. So I actually, I, I took a screenshot and then I ended up posting it on the on the Facebook page. And uh, I, I wanted to. I, well, I guess I'll talk about because we brought him up real quick. Is uh, Yo Hakim? If you're a fan of uh, English voice acting, English anime voice acting, uh, Yo uh, Yo Hakim is voiced by the one and only uh, Stephen Blum, mm-hmm. and you can tell right away <laughs> if you're familiar with his work. If you're yeah. familiar with his work at all, you know Spike Spiegel, oddly enough, Flame Dramon from Digimon, and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> he's, he's basically he's, a, he's basically in every anime. Yeah. He's in a lot of these games too. He'll he actually uh, you can hear him throughout a lots of other games. Sometimes he'll he'll do a role like that, and sometimes he'll just be the background soldiers, and you'll be you'll be be fighting some soldiers, and you'll hear Stephen Blum hollering in the background, mm-hmm. uh, being fine. being a different a, one of the other soldiers or something like that. It's really funny. He's he just the dude is probably just he'll take any job. It seems like he'll take any job because he, he loves sure, his work. I'm sure his list of credentials is. Extensive. I mean, he's got nothing on Frank Walker, I'm sure, but uh, I'm sure he's. I'm sure it's fast. I feel like I hear. Well, maybe I feel, I feel like I hear Stephen Blum more than I hear Frank Walker. If, if there's an animal in a movie, cartoon, TV show, anime, he's doing the voice. He's He's doing. <laughs> Frank Walker is the voice for the anaconda in the anaconda movie with Ice Cube and J Lo. He's yeah. the. He does the noises of the anaconda. Okay, I mean, <laughs> as well as being, starring role, as well as being uh, Fred Jones from Scooby Doo and Megatron. Yeah, <laughs> he's versatile. Anyway, anyway, let's uh, go into those. We can go and talk about that for a long time. Um, are you ready to wrap it up? I guess. Uh, do we have? I don't know. If we we didn't pre prep questions. I know I have. I have one, and you've got one. I kind of want. kind of wanted the third one in the middle. Do you got a third thing we can do in the middle? Maybe. I don't really know. Uh. Hmm. Well, easy enough. I mean, if you if you pay attention or if you follow the Facebook page, I have a. I honestly, I, I mentioned earlier, thing. I had a favorite character, and the whole point of the whole point of these questions is something you can't Google. It has to be kind of about us, about the game. I had a favorite character in the game. I made a post about him. So, who was the character that I enjoyed most in the game? And same for me. Uh, what's my favorite character's full name? Well, full name and title, I guess. Yeah. Did you, did you say that earlier in the podcast? At least twice. The full name? At least twice. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, two questions. Did we have, I don't know if we have a third question ready. Third question about something. Who do I think Janus is a color swap copy of? There we go. Yeah, if you paid it earlier. So Janus is a character we talked about, and Blake referenced him being a color swap copy of someone else yeah that's an easy easy enough question if you were paying attention so anyway as we wrap up the game i'm going to, i guess i will toss a, a band i want to i do want to toss a band on the end here because it's my turn but if we wrap up the game can remember daniel and garrett you're listening i know you are uh you're exempt from this you can't do this any other listener who wants to do it just answer the send the three questions you can do it to the uh you can send it to the facebook page i well I guess you can maybe comment on the post of the episode maybe if you want to, 
or I kind of prefer the if you email me the answers to the uh, two smoking controllers at gmail.com. That's with the number two. So two smoking controllers at gmail.com with the correct answers. And uh, if you're right, you know, we'll send you the, this copy, the free copy of this game. We have a physical copy of this game. We'll be glad to. Uh, we're not famous, but we'll sign it and say something dumb inside the case for you. I thank you both. Everybody saw we wrote something to Garrett, and then we gave we made a, a fake case. If y'all saw the post that Daniel made, we made a fake Final Fantasy IV case because I, I didn't have a case for Final Fantasy IV. So we'll say or do something dumb for you and uh, exchange mailing addresses and stuff like that privately of course if you want a copy of this game if the game sounded interesting at all the game's definitely worth playing it de especially for free especially for free it is a uh, so you know it is a Xbox One copy yeah so it's not a Playstation copy so you make sure you have an Xbox One and uh that's pretty much all I got for that so we, we hope somebody besides because Garrett's an old friend and Daniel's obviously family we hope somebody a fan outside of friends or family would like to claim a game for us and one cool note well, the copy of Shining Resonance Refrain we have is actually a special edition steelbook slip. Isn't it? Uh, uh, the only steelbook slip that I have, and I, I honestly kind of don't like the thing. I, I might, I, I'll, I'll, th I'll take a peek at the steelbook again. You may or may not, whoever claims the game may not get the, the steel slip as well. It's the only steelbook slip that I have, and it kind of looks weird. The game, the game in its original case slides inside the, uh, steelbook, which looked really cool in pictures, but doesn't pan out as well in person. So we'll see how we'll see how that goes. I'll think about it as we as we move forward, and I'll we'll keep the uh, depending on how long it takes. Uh, I'll make a post as soon as somebody claims it. I guess somebody gets the questions right. Uh, hopefully, we won't we won't have to sit on it for too long. Anything else? Uh, not really. You ready no. to move on to our yeah. band? And I'll, your band my band well, not my band I don't have yeah. a band <laughs> so anyway play Shining Resonance it's cool if you already have it play it it's on sale all the time actually it, it, it ends up in a lot of sales it's not on Game Pass currently uh, but it's been a lot, of, a lot of sales we bought it way back way back when it took us forever to play it we got to a point where we stopped pre-ordering games now basically and the last thing I pre-ordered was either Final Fantasy 7 or maybe Death Stranding and I still haven't played Death Stranding so yeah whoopsie Anyway, so I do have a band uh, for today. We'll, we'll talk. We'll give them a few. We'll talk about them for a few minutes. It's a again a band who's no longer around, even though I was looking at them earlier today, and they supposedly tried to reform in 2017, which would have been phenomenal because they only have one album, one uh, quite incredible album. Um, the band I want to tell you about is called Adam Ship. They've gone. They went through a bunch of different name changes, and they've changed names again and again and again, even even post album, because they had a, a member die. Mm -hmm. uh, one of their uh, members, what was his name? Nathan Slade died of supposedly over drug overdose of prescription drugs. Ooh. So they end up changing the name to they. I don't know. There's there's a lot of, there's a, a checkered history of name changing for some reason, but the one album they got out was with the moniker of Adam Ship for the band. 
the main thing about this band, besides a weird history of a, a dead member and other stuff like that, and a bunch of name changes, is uh, this band has one of the most uh, incredible drummers that nobody knows. I guess because the band never made it big. But the drummer here, and you, I mean, nobody knows his name, of course, but this guy, Chad Kent, is one of the most unique and, let's say, rambunctious drummers i've ever i've ever had the joy of hearing uh he's kind of what back when they were around more often but when they were still kind of active he was kind of the main subject of the band it's like it, it's like they like people would say oh they made a band just to show off this drummer and apparently when i was reading it he was the one who in 2017 tried to pull the band back together hit him alone by himself and i would love and i don't you said chad kent drums it says he tried to 2017 he was the initiator of trying to pull the band and he got he got he got them all he got the other guys back together but i guess nothing ever came of it back to us and i would love another freaking album because the singer i like the singer quite a bit too he actually has a second band after adam ship called a uh, paper cut massacre and i've tried listening to listening to them they 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 pale dramatically in comparison to Adam Ship because they're more of a uh, Peppercuts Massacre is more of a mellow rock kind of thing. They're nowhere near as like I think dramatic is maybe the key word for Adam Ship. Every all their songs is just like all encompassing drama is what they're it's what, kind of what their music tends to do for me. Especially the song that we're gonna end up playing on the end here. But uh, I know uh, hopefully Daniel, if you're, Daniel, if you're listening, I hope you will take note of the the drummer and listening to the rest of the. Cause I know, like like me, you appreciate a good drummer, and you would like to hear a uh, unique drummer. That's for sure. Because I've had a lot of favorite drummers over the years. I wish I had more albums of him, but I always liked Morgan Rose of Seven Dust. I I liked Shannon Larkin of Godsmack back when Godsmack was making more fun albums. Godsmack's on a like a two-album streak of really, really boring albums. I did like early, earlier Shannon Larkin was a lot of fun, and seeing Shannon Larkin live is great because they people talking like like he's a Muppet. The way he drums is really dramatic. Well, that's what he said. He, gets, he got his inspiration from Animal. Yeah. Animal, yeah. And that's literally how he plays. I love him, of course, and I loved, uh, I've always loved Morgan Rose from Seven Dust. That's, I already said that. Uh, I know... Everybody, you can't you can't talk about drumming without mentioning Neil Pert, of course. I know Daniel did a his his show. He did a he dedicated an episode when Neil Pert passed away earlier this year. And when he passed away, so he did a couple of. If you don't know who Neil Pert is, it's obviously, obviously Rush. I mean, you can't. I don't even, honestly. I don't even like Rush that much, and I know who uh, Neil Pert is. You can't. He's the, one of the most famous drummers on the planet. Uh, Joey Jordson, of course, a Slipknot, which he hasn't done anything in so long because they're on their. They're two or three albums away from him drumming, I think. Yeah, he there was some some other guy drums for Slipknot now. Uh, who else is a good drummer that I I can? I don't know his name, um, but oddly enough, I think it's the drummer from Incubus, like Jorge Garcia Jr. Something, or something like, that. like that. The third. The third. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I made a joke. Oh yeah, he's the third because he's Mach three because the first two units broke. Yeah, because he just he did some crazy drumming. He did some crazy drumming on early, early, early Incubus, namely the Science album. Uh, Incubus has obviously mellowed out a ton, but he did some crazy drumming back then. So yeah, I don't want to go on and on and on about all these different drummers, but I always, just... I'm I always appreciate a a, a good uh unique drummer uh, unique drummers honestly are not 
very common, I don't think. I mean, people people kind of push drumming to the back of the list when it comes to music. And uh, I mean, most drummers aren't aren't that great, let's be honest. But you get a few of the good, unique ones in there. And this guy, Chad Kent of Adam Ship, he's, he is a standout drummer. Like, you'll be seeing, he's uh, like, his drumming sometimes is... <laughs> I, maybe it's on purpose. His drumming is sometimes more dramatic than the song needs. Oh yeah. Like, like he can't just. Sometimes he it seems like he can't just sit still and keep a mellow beat. Sometimes on a on a song, if a song goes up and a song comes down, he's always doing a little bit more. Like it's, it's it ain't just a boom 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 boom. He can't just do that. He's always got to be. There's something more going on. He just can't he can't seem to contain himself all the time. And you'll see that in the song I play, and then the rest of the album is always, even on the, even though, because Adam Ship has a few more mellow songs, but he just can't contain himself. It's some of the more elaborate and just fun drumming you've ever heard. And be like, this dude is crazy. I can't believe I haven't. Nobody's heard about him. Like he's, I think he went on and he drummed for somebody else. Like he, after Adam Ship went away, he drummed. I can't remember what it was. I looked at it back in the day. He went and drummed on somebody, somebody's other. Not even in a band. He was like a session drummer for somebody else, I think. So really not getting no no real play. I love. I don't know why. I mean, I got. I mean, being in a band's hard, and I guess finding another band would be just as difficult. Why he hasn't spread out and tried to be in another, make another band on on his own. Well, you look at um. We talked about him earlier. Uh, Hell, the villain. They were a perfect one album, and then the singer. This, yeah. Well, the thing hurt himself, and then he got mad at everyone else. Said we should be more famous than we are now, and left to do his own thing. And then yeah, his yes. own thing wasn't as good as what they had together. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if they had different members of uh, uh, would mess things up. Now, a, a thing I forget who. So I guess things would be different now because the guy who ended up, so that, and that's a big difference too. The guy who ended up, who Pat, who died of a drug overdose. Is, uh, Nathan Slade, he was lead guitar. It would suck to lose a lead guitarist. It says lead guitar. Or it says original guitarist and songwriter. So he wrote a lot of the music too. Mm-hmm. So it's just uh, it would be tough, I guess, to replace somebody as important as us. Even if you, even if the drummer Chad got a bunch of other members together, it, it looks like the a new like who he gathered up in 2017. Was a Jared Slade for lead guitar? Now I don't know without it's looking. His brother. He is his brother. It is his brother. Okay, so that'd be man, that would be. But I think there's some animosity because I was looking into it as well while you're talking about it. Yeah. The 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 singer, the their second singer, the Joey Culver. He sung on the album. They've yeah. had two singers. Yeah, the first guy apparently had really bad anxiety and couldn't do. So, but, he, but he's not on the album at yeah. all. So the this one guy out. Joey Culver, but it says the reason that the band broke apart after their album came out is because he it says due to his betrayal he teamed up with the producer they had and he went solo and Joe so they, did. and so they broke the band up mm-hmm. but then it says they got reunited in yeah, but he, 2017 yeah, but the guy, yeah right here the with, guy got him went, and got, went back and got him again so maybe the bygones but, became bygones well, I mean it's been, it's been three years so I mean maybe, maybe they, they got they got together and started fighting again well yeah you got well 2004 to now there's a lot of time to forgive and let go yeah but 2017 is when they tried to get back together and then nothing for three years yeah I don't know I said maybe maybe it just didn't pan over I, mean, I, would, I would I mean granted it's not impossible no not at all bands multiple bands we've talked about I mean between F- Flaw was dead in the water mm-hmm 
you know, and they're two out. Al- they're two albums into new at new music, and it's crazy. And it sounds good. And it's actually good. So I, I never give up. Bands do disappear forever. It happens all the time. I mean, Hell the Villain hasn't come back. Um, Fair to Midland hasn't come back. Uh, who else have I talked about? But I mean, bands don't. I mean, bands do not come back, of course. But I never. The dude at least tried a few years ago. So there, there's there's something there's something there. There's hope. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I don't keep going on and on and on and on about it. Uh, the band, the album's so cool. It's so good. Uh, the band's called uh, what? The Crash of Forty Seven. That's the album, yeah. The, the album against Adam Ship. The, the album came out in uh, two thousand four. Been around a long time. We I don't, I don't know how. I assume like like most bands I, I discovered a long time ago. I stumbled into them on Pandora back in the day. I assume. The album's awesome. It's on Spotify, of course. Uh, I think I ended up buying it back in the day. Maybe I was pirating back in the day. Who knows? Uh, I will put in the song that I'm going to play. I'll, I'll I'll drop it on the playlist on the on the Spotify playlist. This song does this song pretty much cover it. Uh, the song the song I'm going to play is Mothra. You think that uh, I think I think Mothra pretty much covers the basis for what this band what this band does. I mean, it, it goes it has the highs, the lows, the extremes. The and just let you know that they're a little bit nerdy. It's yeah, it, it helps a little bit on the the song is literally it's called Mothra. It's about Mothra. Um, I did have one kind of interesting, cool tidbit yeah, about ahead. the band. Uh, the album Crash Forty Seven. They had a, a song that was released, uh, "Time for People." Mm-hmm. That's a fantastic song, and they actually released it on the soundtrack for the uh, Thomas Jane version of The Punisher. Oh, really? Yeah, that's weird. Because you, you know, the, the lyrics, time for people, time for... People. Yeah, I know yeah. the song. Yeah. But I thought that was just kind of funny. That's random, yeah. But yeah, but yeah Mothra hits... It's, it's, got, it's got some slow parts, it's got quiet parts, it's got loud, heavy parts. Yeah, and then, then Chad, Dude's go, Chad Dude goes nuts on a couple of parts of the song. And then if you're a fan of any sort of kaiju... <laughs> it's, it, it's about Mothra, okay? <laughs> It's fantastic. It's a great yeah. song. I love the song. Yeah. So, with that, I think we'll wrap up, and I'll start playing the song at some point during this, and we'll wrap things up so I can get this episode edited at some point and get it out. Uh, like I said, on the front end, check us out on all the all the social media stuff. We're, we're not that hard to find. We have uh, we're on everything as far as I know. Some oh, well, one one that we don't have is a Discord, and uh, somebody was telling me that we need to get a Discord. Don't honestly, I know I'm, I'm old, and I don't know what what what's what in the world but I don't exactly know what Discord does but I need to look into it anyway find us on all that stuff if you want the game we talked about listen back through go back to those I'll, I'll, I think I'll you post the questions I'll the post the questions notes. in the show notes just in case uh, probably if I don't forget I forget sometimes uh, email us the answers if you want a game we'll send you a game cool everybody wins uh, with that we'll end up I'll play the song and I'll let Blake wrap things up right here
Let's play.